0: The Utah Jazz are odd. And that just might be our strength. It's next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are odd, and I'll explain that comment from Tim Lacombe. I'm stealing his stuff, but he's dead right. It's the perfect comment about who the Utah Jazz are, but it might be our strength, and Will Hardy has seemingly figured out what to do with odd. So we'll look at that and the rotation, which I think is set for the season to start at least. The jazz doing, and all of a sudden, I hear myself, like, because I went to a box score, and the NBA automatically plays video. And we will have Points Gained Western Conference today coming your direction as well. So that's all that's coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Should be a fun one. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice for Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much to the everydayers. And thank you for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, including YouTube. And our YouTube question of the day is, do you like what Will the way Will Hardy has found a way to play all five jazz guards? So, As of right now, the Jazz have a 10-man rotation. But let me back up to the first comment. The Jazz are odd. They really are. If you think about it, we're playing without a point guard. We're playing with a 7-1 small forward. We're going to go small in the middle of a game while starting with basically three 7-footers. Our best passer is a 6'10 Canadian. Our second best passers guy, who's Luke Walton said is open when he gets off the bus. There's nothing about this team that's at all traditional or makes sense or is built in a way that makes you comfortable. Taylor Horton Tucker is this like fullback of a lead guard with a 7 1 wingspan who can't really shoot the three yet or hasn't shown to. Colin Sexton is this. Shot out of a cannon, craziness of energy and pizzazz every night. It's just it's odd. It's all odd. It's a team that people think should be tanking, but it's not, and then it wins a bunch of games, and now people don't can't figure out if it's tanking or a playoff team or what. It's just all odd. And it makes it incredibly difficult for a lot of us, including myself, to kind of figure out what's going on. And the crazy thing is through four preseason games, I think Will Hardy's just figured it out. He's just figured out exactly what he wants to do with this roster and how it's going to work. And the oddity of it all might work. It just might work. At one point in the game, we literally have three guys that are six. If Collins is 6'10", for for majority of the game, we play three guys that are 6'10", 7'1", 7'1", or Kelly's 6'11", in that lineup. And then he's going to turn around at another point in games and play a seven-footer with four guards. It's all over the place. And in a pick-and-roll league, we're not playing pick-and-roll. And And in a, like, it's just, like, we're odd. I kind of love it. I kind of think it's the essence of who we are. It's an oddity we should embrace. And it may be playing to Will Hardy's strengths and his ability to kind of figure it all out. I've been telling you all week long, we're going to play a nine-man rotation. No, we're not. We're going to play a 10. Really looks like we're going to play a 10-man rotation. Super hard for a coach to do, but it looks as though he's figured it out. If you look at the first half last night, marketing and Collins play 17 minutes. Clarkson plays 17 minutes. Okay, those all p- pace for 34. Taylor plays what would be the equivalent 25. Alinek plays 26. Sexton plays 22. Abaji, Keontae, and Chris Dunn all play 14. The only one that doesn't match up, right, is Walker played what would just be 20 minutes. And I think Walker's got to play more than 20. So where those minutes come from could make the 10-man rotation a little tough. The problem with 10-man rotations, inevitably somebody's playing like four or six minutes. And we'll see what happens there. But what Will Hardy has done here is he has Talon Horton's Tucker starting with Jordan Clarkson. And as everydayers heard the other day, this was our best two-man playing pair all of last year. I asked Will about it yesterday, and he said, you know what? They they play together, they have a chemistry, and they, it kind of works. J.C. can play with anyone, and Talon drives, and J.C. spots up and shoots. They were plus 11.6 last year in 100 possessions together. Little, Really, really good defensively, which is probably a little bit of an outlier. You start it with Lowry Markkinen, with John Collins, and with Walker Kessler. And then the first substitution, which is happening really early, is that Kelly Olenek comes into the game and spreads us out to go to five, five out. He comes in. He came in at the 827 mark, super early. I don't know if it'll always be that early. That's why Walker didn't play very much. Maybe, maybe in a preseason game, we'll want to see this more than anything else, so it comes about two or three minutes early. I'd be surprised if it didn't come a few minutes later. But Olenek comes in for Kessler. And now you're five wide because Kelly can shoot the three. Collins seems to be okay right now. He seems to be like at the 35, 36 level and marketing. So now you got bigs, but they can all shoot. And boom, here comes the driving of Kalen Horton Tucker and John and Jordan Clarkson with your next substitution being Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton comes in and now he, you have two drivers. The idea of playing Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson together is literally like, to me, orange juice in your cereal. And it, it somehow we're going to do it because we're odd. And it's going to work. It makes sense. And then the next thing he's doing that's so interesting is he runs a Baji in for Collins. And in my mind, Lowry now slides to the five. This is what I've always talked about. So Lowry's our backup five. Linux really playing the four. Linux not a great five. And defensively, you'd like Lowry to be the five because Kelly, a weakness here is Kelly doesn't protect the rim very well. And then comes kind of the magic trick that Will Hardy's pull out of thin air, which is okay. I, I have six guards. I'm going to slide a Baji to play basically a three. Okay. We've solved that problem. Lowry really only plays about 20 minutes a night to the three. There's another 28 minutes there. Baji can go get those. We'll be okay. But what do I do about my hunger games of five guards? I just play them all. We're odd. Why not? And he did it again last night. Brings in Keontae George and Chris Dunn, who now are playing with Colin Sexton, Ochai Abaji, and then he started it with Lowry Markkinen. That only went on for about 17 seconds before Kessler comes in. And then they rolled this lineup as they did the other night for a long time. He ran it for about seven minutes the other night and he did it again last night and it's Walker Kessler, and it's preseason. So he may not run it that long in the regular season. It's Walker Kessler with four guards. And this suddenly allows Chris Dunn to play Keontae George to play Colin Sexton to play Taylor Horton Tucker to play and Jordan Clarkson to play. You allow them all on the floor at different times. Now last night, He made a little change to this. He didn't run it quite as long because he brought John Collins back in to play with Kessler with this group. And that's when Kessler and that's when Collins was suddenly playing a pick and roll with Kessler on the baseline and letting John Collins with those space kind of play a pick and roll game, which is then kind of another area where we're odd. John Collins is really our four and he's our best role guy on the roster. So that's odd. How do you deal with that? And Will may have found that answer, which is you stick Kessler in there with the three guards, bring John Collins back in, and let John Collins play pick and roll. Because John Collins needs to play some pick and roll. It's where he's at his best, getting on top of the cup. Now, New Zealand breakers are not a great answer here, but on all these things. But this is, I think, where we're heading. And then at about the seven minute, Mark Clarkson came back, Mark and came back, Olenek came back, and you had Mark and Alinek and Collins on the floor which is where you were, as Kessler goes out, which is where you were, frankly, early four minutes into the game anyway. You're now playing the three bigs all spread out, though. in Olenek, and Collins. Clarkson comes back into that lineup, and Taylen Horton-Tucker comes back in the lineup, and that's suddenly becoming the lineup you're using as much as any other. And if you want to, you can bring, at some point, we brought Sexton back in to play Sexton with Clarkson some more. Again, super odd but seems to work. And I'll tell you what, I think this is our opening night rotation. I I suspect we're not playing many of our guys against Sacramento when they're the team we're opening against. Like, you want to talk about putting your whole offense in, like we could just play one-on-one all night in Sacramento. It would not surprise me at all. And frankly, I'd be surprised if our guys played. Work on conditioning, do other things with them, but why show them to Sacramento when that's your opening night game? It's not quite the NFL, but it's a little bit like it. All right, we'll touch on that a little bit more, and then we'll do points game for the Western Conference here today. But what do you think? Your YouTube question of the day. What do you think of this, what seems to be our rotation for the season, and how it's played out? I'll explain why I actually really like it coming up here in a second, how I do think it maximizes the oddness, shall we call it, of this roster. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located in at 4646 South State Street, also located in... Logan and in Lyndon, the Murdochs have been in Utah for about 90 years now. They've been advertising so long. We did their 80th anniversary. And now we're on their close to their 90s. They're in their 80th years. And a family who just strongly believes in their connection to Utah and their connection to their customers and a car in the Hyundai that just keeps winning awards. And frankly, when you do the research for what you get for the dollar, for the safety features, for the unique features that makes this car what it is, Right now, you get seventy five hundred dollars off the twenty twenty three Ionic Five SEL or the Ionic Six SEL. Pretty amazing deals. Both those have won massive awards. Both those are all electric. I right now I'm driving the Ionic Five while yearning for the Ionic Six. Let's be perfectly honest. This has been a reoccurring theme, David. I've even got guys sending me little notes in their in their finance department telling me how I might be able to do it. It's pretty great. The Ionic Six, the Onyx Black, the Digital Green, oh, the Silver—they're all available and they're all gorgeous right now. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at forty-six, forty-six South State Street. Also located in Logan and in Linden. If you're gonna stop by, feel free to give me a little note um, and come by and. Give me some information, or give me a note that gets me to set you up with a VIP meeting uh, with our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by our official ticketing partner, Game Time. Game Time gives you a chance to get into the games and takes care of all your needs when buying tickets. Here's what Game Times will do for you: last-minute tickets and flash tone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, and then these are the cool things: low price guarantee. Event cancellation protection, job loss protection, views from the seats in the venue. So you're guaranteed on the price, check. You get to look at the ticket and see what it looks like, check. You're guaranteed if the event's canceled, check. And it's easy, comes right to your phone and is taken care of right there so you don't have some other email search and everything else you have to do. And game time guarantee means you always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section, row or less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, including YouTube. Thanks so much for being a part of it. Uh, My wife, because I was doing TV, my wife watches anyway. She actually watches instead of listens. But because I was doing TV um, and our thoughts and wishes go to Craig Bullerjack and his family. His father passed away. He lost his mom earlier this summer. Tough, tough times for Craig and his three kids and his wife, Sharon. Um, So, deep thoughts, uh, to Craig, one of the great guys out there. And, uh, he is expected to be back in Sacramento. So, um, you are free for me, but anyway, my wife just, uh, downloaded the jazz plus app on Roku and, uh, for $125 got every game for the entire season. It's less a dollar 50 game, two tickets to a upcoming game and t-shirt and hat. Um, super great. Uh, and she just, it's just the easiest viewing experience there is. She just Download the Jazz Plus app on We use Roku and had it right there. So if you haven't checked it out, please do. Jazz Plus is pretty awesome. All right, here's why I really like what Will's done, and then we'll get into points gained Western Conference. Um, predictions. Our our oddity, our strength is these five guards, and all of everyone had an explanation of why they should all play. And Keontae's proven he's ready to get, to help this team, and Chris Dunn has proven that he brings a value. And we don't really know who Talon Horton Tucker is yet. And as you know, he's still super young and we need to find out. And Jordan is just kind of the cool, calm, collected one. And Colin, we need to find out who he is as well. So we really have these three guards in Colin, Talon, and Keontae. We got to find out who they are as a franchise. And you're finding a way to do it. And then you have these guys that aren't natural point guards. They're really drivers. They're not pick and roll guards. And so spread the floor with them as much as you can. Just let them drive. And then... They're not great passers, but you have this unique odd thing that you have Kelly Olenek who really wants to be a point guard despite the fact he grew from 6'3 to 6'10 in his junior year in high school where he went from being a point guard and quarterback to having to be a center. And you're letting him basically play a little point guard. You're letting him be the one who takes the ball and distributes a little bit when he's on the floor with Clarkson and Sexton who are trying to play off the ball. And you suddenly have found a way to accentuate the strengths of almost everyone there's little problems. Can we get enough defense when Kelly and Lennox kind of playing the five and not have Kelly be exposed? Can we have market and actually be the one protecting him? Can we rebound it all with four guards and Walker Kessel and Walker goes for shot blocks and then is out of the play. There's going to be issues. And I'll be curious to see whether we can still be a really good defensive team. We have all this length and some pretty good athleticism and it feels like we should be a good defensive team. And I'm just not entirely convinced that's going to happen. Just, Watching, I just think there's enough little pitfalls on the on the way this team works out that I'm just not convinced it's going to be able to be very good defensively. And that's going to probably be the key to the season from being the difference between 36 wins and suddenly banging on the door of the of the play-in, as if they can be good defensively. Because if this team can be 15th defensively, they're going to win a lot of games. And I'll show that to you now as we get into the points gained prediction. So here's what's point gained. Points gained is my offensive metric that ranks offensive players and how they use their possessions compared to league average. There's a few things I do here. One is I kind of look to see how many possessions scoring opportunities each roster has on them. If everyone gets the average, if you're in the range of a hundred, it's 110, it's fine. If you suddenly jet up to like 115, 120, 125, you're going to have a little bit of a chemistry problem on your hands. Boston had this a few years ago. We've we've nailed this pretty well, actually, over the years. If you if you suddenly, and what happens is if every if what happens is if you suddenly have 120 possessions, every player in the team has to sacrifice 10% of their possessions to be able to get down to the n- number. And when one guy suddenly doesn't, then some guys are 15 or 20% and they're not very happy. So the teams that have too many possessions on their roster right now, interestingly, are the Clippers, the Lakers, the Suns. In the Western Conference. On the East, it's Milwaukee, strangely, Charlotte and Toronto. So that's because of injuries on Charlotte. Everyone got bigger opportunities, and then all of a sudden the injuries are gone. So we're gonna stay in the West today, but we'll we'll mention that again tomorrow. So the Clippers, the Lakers, Pelicans are awfully close, and the Suns are the three teams I'd be a little careful on in chemistry. Now, if LeBron doesn't play a bunch of games or AD doesn't play, that'll probably solve itself. But that's that. Now, the next thing I do is uh, using Kevin Pelton's minutes projections. I go and project how many possessions each player is going to get to use on their team. Um, and then from there, go and look at what how they would do compared to an average possession. So if you're zero, your offense will be dead average 15. If you're positive and by the end of this most teams are positive actually by the way most teams collectively are positive if you're negative if if and then rank them from there so if you take somebody like say the Dallas Mavericks who I'm surprisingly bullish on what they're going to be offensively this year well maybe not surprisingly have Kyrie and but just taking the Dallas Mavericks the first alphabetical team in the western conference you're projecting Kyrie's gonna use Luca's gonna use 27 scoring opportunities tonight. Kyrie's gonna use 22. Tim Hardaway, 13. Josh Green, seven, Grant Williams, seven. He's not gonna like that. He's gonna want more than that. Maxi Kleba, five, Dwight Powell, five. Seth Curry, eight. Jaden Harden, seven, and Rashawn Holmes three. We'll see. I don't have lively or uh prosper playing. Maxi Prosper playing. They're very interesting. One of the premises is you want every player to be a little bit above average and you collectively put it, to, add it together. And that's what you get. Your rosters is what Luke is per possession and, and the rest. Well, Luke is great. He's a 1.6. Kyrie's a 1.4. If you recall, if you've done this before, the best points gained players in the league are last year. There's about 10 players every year that's, that are over three. And then if you're positive, it's great. A ro- the, the ultimate goal is to have a roster of positive points game players. Because then every single time some you move the ball out of Luka Doncic's hands, then everybody else around you is still positive. You'll be great. Last year, the best in the league was Nicole Jokic at 4.3. Durant at 4.1. There's usually three guys above three. Last year, there were six. As you can see, offenses are getting better or excuse me, there were five. Joel Embiid was 3.7. Steph Curry was 3.2. Dane Lillard was 3.1. Then there's usually about 10 guys over two. So Zion was 2.8. Sabonis was 2.5. Lowry was 2.4. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was 2.3. Jimmy Butler, 2.3. Anthony Davis, 2.0. And Nick Claxton, 2.0. And then you get a gaggle of players over one and the rest. And a negative, negative one of the other premises, and you'll see this come up here, is that a negative offensive player is far more detrimental to a roster than anyone in this league still realizes. The the, the misnomer in this league still is that the negative offensive player is far more detrimental than coaches, general managers, fans realize. So Dallas, for example, I probably could share my screens on some of these. Dallas, Tim Hardaway is really their only negative offensive player. He's a negative 0.7. Everybody else on that average on that team is basically zero. Maxi Kleber last year had a bad year. He was negative 0.1. Jaden Harden's a negative 0.1. They're basically even. And so Dallas comes out as being the second best offensive team in the Western Conference and the second best offensive team in the NBA. Because they have Luca and they have Kyrie and they don't have negatives. I will rank the Western Conference teams 1 through 15 offensively and where they rank across the entire NBA for you as we continue next. Today's show is brought to you by Better Health. If you are looking... Or Better Help, excuse me. Today's show is brought to you by Better Help, H-E-L-P. If you are looking to improve your game one of the muscles that you can improve your game with is your brain and that's where better help comes in to help you out if your brain's getting in the way the buddhist thought of the monkey mind continues to proceed therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself i would think of it as performance enhancing are there things that are getting in the way of performance Performance as a friend, performance as a spouse, performance as an employee, whatever it might be. That's how therapy can benefit you. And give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And then maybe the single best feature. You can switch a therapist anytime for no additional charge. So make your brain your friend. BetterHelp. It's your performance enhancer. It's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. All right, let's see if we can pull this up. And you will, no, then I'll ruin tomorrow's show. I'm going to keep the tease factor for those of you on YouTube. So, Dallas is the number two offense in the NBA, number two offense in the West. The San Antonio Spurs come out terribly as the worst offense in the NBA by a huge margin. The Houston Rockets come out 14th in the Western Conference as an equally terrible offensive unit. Fred VanVleet and Dylan Brooks are not efficient, nor are Jalen Green and Jabari Smith yet. By the way, has anyone else noticed on YouTube that the sun has risen while we were doing the show? It's kind of cool. So those two are both horrendous. Minus nine, super bad. The Oklahoma City Thunder, who I have just been telling you all year I'm not buying, come in 13th offensively in the Western Conference, 24th offensively overall. How come? Well, few reasons. My offensive metrics do not do a lot about guessing progress on young players particularly well, okay? Failure. But Shay's great at, plus, at 2.3. But I just told you that negative players are really a problem. Josh Giddey's a minus 1.5. Lou Dort's a minus 1.3. Isaiah Joe was a minus 0.4. Trey Mann, who I still think is getting about eight possess- six possessions a night, minus 1.5 jang minus 0.8 in fact other than shea gilgis alexander Jalen williams was a positive 0.4 they don't have another and isaiah joe excuse me isaiah joe was a positive 0.7 um they don't have another positive really positive player out there positive 0.7 for isaiah joe but that's it shea using 25 possessions Jalen Williams averaging 14. Josh Giddy averaging 16 possessions at minus 1.5. Lou Dort's a minus 1.8 in his 13 possessions over a night. You, you take here's where negative players are just so detrimental. Shea is one of, we did it. Shea's 2.3. He's one of the 10 best players in the NBA offensive. 10 most positively impactful offensive players. But Lou Dort at minus 1.8, and Josh Giddy at minus 1.5 is minus 3.3. They completely negate Shea Gilgis-Alexander with their two negative players. Even just Trey Mann and Josh Giddy negate Shea Gilgis-Alexander completely. Negative offensive players are crazy detrimental. You'll see it on the Eastern Conference in the most bizarre thing. So Oklahoma City, 13th offensively. Now, Mark Dagnall does an amazing job with them. They grab some offensive glass to cover it up. You'll see our next team I never project right because they do some things that that are unique and that kind of overshoot my numbers. And maybe Oklahoma City with Chet Holmgren is going to be great defensively and that will solve their problems. And maybe this shouldn't be all that stunning, but the Thunder last year offensively, I'm pulling, sorry, I had preseason numbers up. Um, We're the 14th best offensive team in the league, and I I just don't see that happening. We'll see. Rookies are usually not very good. Chad Holmgren's sort of a rookie. Memphis is next. Memphis, who last year was the 15th ranked offensive team because they're the ninth best offensive rebounding team, and because they get to the free throw line, my numbers should show the free throw line. But Memphis comes in at 12th in the Eastern Conference and 20th overall. Little surprising. So those were two big Eastern Conference surprises. Why? John Morant's a negative 1.2. I actually have John Morant playing in his 25 game suspension, actually will help them a little bit. Marcus Smart's a minus 0. 0.9. Steven Adams is a minus 0. 0.2. and David Roddy, who I have who Kevin Pelton had playing about 18 minutes a night as their three, we'll see who it turns out to be, is also a minus 0. 0.7. You know, we'll see who they play, but they're they're lacking that small forward, and that's usually a neg- It's been a negative for them. And Desmond Bain is their best offensive player at point eight. So is Jaron Jackson Jr. But nobody's like a two or three. Surprisingly, the Portland Trailblazers come in eleventh as their roster is constructed right now, but not really. DeAndre Ayton's pretty good offensively. Jeremy Grant's pretty good offensively. Scoot is a negative because he's a rookie in his projections and Portland comes in the 11th best Eastern Conference team comes in the 16th best team overall. So the West is dominant offensively. Pelicans come in at 10th offensively and 13th overall. Minnesota Timberwolves 9th defense offensively, offensively and 12th overall in the Western Conference. The Utah Jazz come in at 8th best offensive team in the Western Conference and 11th best overall. Why? Because Lowry's a plus 2.4. Jar- Jordan's a negative 0. 0.9. Talon Horton-Tucker is a negative 1.6. And Keontae, mm-hmm. I have projected, is a negative 1.5. Taylor Hendricks, I do have projected, as playing, which probably is not going to be the case for a while, and he's a negative, so that will help us out a little bit. And Chris Dunn, we'll see how he ends up, if he ends up playing more, whether it's a positive or negative. Last year was a positive. Years past have been a negative. But John Collins is a 1.4. Kelly Lynx, 1.1. Walker Kessler is a 1.6. There's a lot of positives there that get the Jazz to the eighth best team and 11th overall offensively. If we're 11th offensively, we would be 15th defensively. That's why I made that comment earlier. The Warriors are the seventh best offensive team in the East, but the eighth best offensive team overall. Denver comes in as the sixth best offensive team in the West, but the seventh best team overall. The Clippers come in as the fifth best offensive team, though too many possessions. And the sixth best overall. The Lakers come in as the fourth best offensive team, but too many possessions and fifth best overall. And then the Phoenix Suns is three, the Dallas Mavericks at two, and the Sacramento Kings are your number one offensive team in all of the NBA as they were a year ago. They still hold up. So... The projections for the offensive rank via points gained in the Western Conference is Sacramento 1, Dallas 2, Phoenix 3, Lakers 4, Clippers 5, Denver 6, Golden State 7, Houston Utah 8, Minnesota 9, New Orleans 10, Portland 11, Memphis 12, Oklahoma City, Houston, and San Antonio in the Western Conference. If you go try and put their defensive rankings from last year to it you can try to figure out some standings things if you want to but I don't have a great way to project defensive rating but if you look at where teams are offensively it gives you a little bit of idea of what they need to do defensively and where they're going to rank in the conference but that's how I look at The Western Conference rankings, Kings at 1. The big surprises: Oklahoma City at 13, Memphis at 12. I've actually missed on Memphis before on this. Jazz come in as the 8th best offensive team in the West, but 11th best. And the league is dramatically dominant offensively in the Western Conference. All right. Tomorrow we'll do the East, and I have a massively huge surprise in the East. I have three massively huge surprises in the East that we'll see. If you just do the numbers and believe the numbers and don't alter them, they're a little stunning. That is Locked On Jazz for today. Thanks for taking me. Welcome your comments. Any questions on points gained, I'll answer them on Thursday and Friday this week as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.